I am Camille Johnson, and this is Finding the Floor. Stories and reflections of midlife motherhood, family, and finding meaning in it all. Join me as I share a little piece of my life and figure out what I want to be when I grow up. Hey guys, and welcome to Finding the Floor. This is episode 44, and it's going to be my final thoughts in the self-love series. I'm going to just share a few things that I have worked on applying and some insights I've gained as I have just gone about the past, I guess, six weeks or so. So, um, first of all, we are out of quarantine, which feels so good. So that was great. And then (laughs) my kids got to go to school for like, well, a day because they're in hybrid. And then they had a day online. And then we are in spring break. So more of each other. But our school district is going back full time five days a week after spring break is over. So that'll be totally different and hopefully good. And we'll see if we can get up every morning (laughs) and go out the door. It's probably going to be exhausting for the first week or two or the whole time because we're so out of practice. And the other thing I was thinking about this week before I get into the topic was kind of how weird and awesome a podcast is. Like I was thinking, you know, it would be great if I literally could just every week meet all of you in a room and share all the things that I'm learning and then have this great discussion afterwards, which is something I kind of miss. I love getting texts and emails from friends and family about things. But I just want to say that, again, that I'm just grateful you guys come each week and listen to my podcast. So again, I just want to say thank you for listening. All right. So this week, I just wanted to kind of finish up and have some final thoughts about all the things Uh, I have learned and shared with you over the past six weeks, I guess there's five of the episodes on self-love. And I wanted to talk about how I have like applied it, how things have gone well or have been hard, just to kind of wrap it up, if that makes sense. Okay. So first of all, the first Uh, self-love series was about keeping commitments to yourself. And I mentioned that I was going to start my declutter goal because I wanted to slowly declutter, but I wanted to make it small and manageable. So I would do it every week. So I made the goal of doing it on Fridays for 
at the least amount of time, 15 minutes. And what I've noticed now after doing it for six weeks, maybe it's been six weeks or five weeks, that I actually look forward to Fridays and I start noticing in my house if there's like something kind of awry. Um, I was like, oh, I can work on that on Friday. Because sometimes you can't really get into a deep clean or you just pick stuff up. But there's, a, let's say, a drawer I wanted to work on. I remember seeing this one drawer that was a mess. And I was like, oh, that's going to be my Friday project. And so things I have done have been, I like cleaned out my closet. I rearranged this drawer and this paper file system in our kitchen. Um... I got really creative because we have this hutch in our dining room that has some baskets underneath because it's got like drawers and then it's got an open space. And we usually do a lot of our arts and crafts at the dining room table. And sometimes I get annoyed that it doesn't always get put away or it looks not the best in the papers. It's hard to store papers in baskets that way. So I got super creative. We had this magazine holder that goes on the wall. It's like fabric and it's got about seven pockets. But I got this idea that I would put it behind our curtains and then I could put all our papers in it so they wouldn't just be flopping out of the baskets and then the kids don't really put them back and there was just this giant basket of like papers just overflowing. And so now my kids know where it is and you can actually see where all the papers go but it's hidden behind the curtain so I'm like using that space behind the curtain right next to a window but you can't even tell so anyway that was super fun I also have worked on my storage room shelves I reorganize them where I put like our food storage and our paper products and I kind of switch things around. And then last week, my husband wanted me to work on the bookshelves in the den because he's got this like big webinar coming. I don't know if it's a webinar, but he's in charge of, well, I guess it's like a webinar for work. And he wanted his background to just kind of look more quote unquote put together. So then I spent some time just, um, getting rid of some books that we've read but don't really want to read again and moving some books to other places in the house. And then I have to work on trying to make it cute, which is not my forte, but I'm looking for ideas. But the one thing that was funny, I was just so annoyed when I was looking for ideas like on Pinterest, how to, you know, style your shelves. And it was like all the bookshelves had like no books in them. I'm like, the thing is, I built the bookshelves for books. (laughs) So my goal isn't just to put a basket on there. I want actual my books just to look nice. So I did end up finding some ideas for when you actually want to put books on your bookshelf (laughs) and you have a good amount of them. I just thought that was really funny. Okay. Again, I mentioned earlier that I'm looking forward to my Fridays And I've also noticed that I just find more peace in myself 
And I found this actually since the episode about the belief window, like applying the belief window, is that, okay, I know on Friday I'm going to work on this thing. And so I just worry about maybe picking stuff up and not so much about getting deep into decluttering because I know that's already going to happen on Fridays. So that kind of gets rid of this mental space that I don't need to worry about. And it's also just felt really good. Like I don't need to feel like, oh, I wish I was better at doing this is because I'm actually working on it. And it may be a slower process, but because I've been working on it, it just feels so much better. And the fact that I've kept my commitment now for five weeks is awesome too. So that's been a great thing for me. So I hope um, if any of you had something that you wanted to do and that you started small, that that's been helpful for you too. Okay. With comparisons, I think um, I'm definitely more aware and I've been trying to redirect myself when I notice I'm comparing myself to other people, whether it be making myself feel like I'm better because when I'm comparing myself, I feel like, oh yeah, I'm doing pretty well or um, making myself worse. And I notice that it's actually a little bit harder to notice when you're like, I'm awesome because I'm doing this thing and they're not. That whole little pride thing kind of sneaking up on us. I tend to, when I notice, oh, I'm, I'm doing really well at this one thing, that I tend to just to balance myself out to like redirect me like, you know what? Like you struggle with this too. So don't put yourself on a pedestal. And it also reminded me of the talk that um, in April 2012 from General Conference by Elder Dieter F. Uchdorf, where he said he read a bumper sticker that said, don't judge me because I sin differently than you. And just that we all kind of have our own issues and problems. And so I think sometimes we're like, don't compare yourself so you feel bad. But also remember, don't compare yourself so you'll feel good. You just want to feel good because you're improving, not because you're comparing yourself. Because, I mean, of course we want to feel good, but not because at the expense of comparing ourselves to other people. Um, And in that talk, he also mentions what Christ says to the woman found in adultery to all the people who are like, what should you do? The law says to stone this woman. And Christ says, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone. So that awareness of like, sometimes when we build ourselves up, when we compare ourselves to someone, that's not good either. Because usually we'll find a little chink in our chain anyway. Like we're struggling Everybody kind of is that 50-50. We're, we're all great at some things and not great at some things. Okay. The other thing I found kind of cool this week was like the law of attraction was kind of a surprising development as I was learning more about this whole idea of sending positive vibes out and 
I really like the idea of just understanding what you want, okay? Understanding what you want to have happen instead of like just being grumpy about the things that aren't happening. So what do you want to have happen? And so during quarantine, I was kind of feeling sick one day and I just didn't really want to make dinner. And so I just had this thought, well, like, well, what could we do that I wouldn't have to make dinner? And... And I just was like, I just want to be open to not making dinner. (laughs) I want the not making dinner thing to happen. And so then I thought, well, I mean, I could make it really easy. I think we have a few leftovers or I could just have someone else cook for me, right? I could have my kids cook for me. Or the best part about that day was I was just kind of feeling under the weather and I had a friend call me and be like, hey, I'm bringing you dinner. And I don't know if that's the law of attraction or if I, if that's really what I wanted, but I was open to it and she offered. And so I said, yes. (laughs) So that was kind of fun. And then the next day I had someone else offered to send us some pizza, which was so nice. So I had A lot of friends, really helpful and awesome while we were kind of stuck in quarantine. Then I thought about, too, when I was, uh, the idea about making peace with our weakness and the idea of being more grateful for them because we can rely more upon the power of God. And so then I went back to that scripture in 2 Corinthians 12, and I read verse 9 in the podcast, but I'm going to read both of the scriptures, both 9 and 10, because I find it very cool. And there are other scriptures that talk about this concept too. So it says, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Oh, I just... Loved how that finished up is like when I rejoice, when I'm willing to be humble and rely more upon the grace of God, that really my weaknesses become a strength. And just yesterday, um, I was talking to my missionary. We get to talk to her on her P day, which is Mondays right now. And my other son, who's at BYU, was chatting in on the conversation. And I have felt like over the years, I haven't been the most, or I don't know how to say this, but I have tried to get my kids to clean up. But I've just felt like I've fallen flat. Like, I don't, I just didn't think that that was a success. I've just felt like that was kind of a weakness of mine. And a couple of weeks ago, I also had this thought where I was like, maybe 
it's not over even after they've left. They'll be able to learn things. So that was a comfort to me. But then as I was talking to my two oldest kids and my one son was sharing the story of how his roommate, he had been sick and staying with my dad for a while in Salt Lake and come back to grab a few things. And he noticed like no one had taken the garbage out and the apartment smelled so bad. And he's like, mom, it was so stinky and dirty. (laughs) And so later that week when he was feeling better, he went back and he cleaned up the apartment. (laughs) And so he was talking about that. And then my daughter was saying, oh yeah, I love cleaning up. It's just so satisfying. And doing the dishes, because I think of when we used to do the dishes and we'd play music and have fun. And I was just like, okay, I am not the strongest in that. And yet my kids are still learning. And maybe it's through these experiences that are getting that, that like God is aware of them and what they might need to learn and that they still can learn these things. It's like not over. So that was kind of a cool little moment as I was watching my kids kind of joke about cleaning. And I was just like telling them I was about ready to cry. (laughs) And they were laughing at me. I also thought it was so interesting how, you know, last week I talked about you know, what you think of me is none of my business. And it was funny, I kind of, when I shared, like when I recorded the podcast, and then I have a couple days to think about it before I edit the podcast, and I listen through it again, and make sure it sounds okay. Because sometimes I'm like, did that sound right? Is it kind of harsh? It does sound kind of harsh, like you don't really care. And so I wanted to share a couple things that have helped me this week as I've thought about this concept of like not caring. It's not really not caring. It's it's more of like what you think of me is none of my business. So um, I read the book Loving What Is by Byron Katie. And in that book, and just she has this principle in general that there are three types of business. There's my business, there's your business, and there's God's business. And God's business kind of like things that are just totally and way out of our control, whether it be weather, natural disasters. And sometimes I would say it also relates to your spirituality and like the timing of when you want things to happen in your life, that you're kind of, it's not really in your control. Okay. So I had read this book, I had gotten it from the library and I went to get it again, it was unavailable. So I looked on her blog and she was kind of explaining this idea of the three types of business. So I'm going to just read that really quick. It says, notice when you hurt that you are mentally out of your business. If you're not sure, stop and ask mentally, whose business am I in? There are only three kinds of business in the universe, mine, yours, and God's. Whose business is it if an earthquake happens? God's business. Whose business is it if your neighbor down the street has an ugly lawn? Your neighbor's business. Whose business is it if you are angry at your neighbor down the street because he has an ugly lawn? Your business. Life is simple. It is internal. 
Count in five-minute intervals how many times you're in someone else's business mentally. Notice when you give uninvited advice or offer your opinion about something aloud or silently. Ask yourself, am I in their business? Did they ask me for my advice? Or more importantly, can I take the advice I am offering and apply it to my life? And then I was looking at a couple videos and to kind of get the explanation a little more clear. And there was this YouTube video, theartofbeinghuman.com. And because sometimes it's like, well, when am I in someone else's business? Like, what does that look like? Especially as a parent, because I feel like I'm in my kid's business a lot. So he shares the story of, of course, as a parent, you're going to be in your kid's business because it's your business. But he shares the story of like, let's say you have a child that is like running into the street. Is it your business to go and get them? And he said, yes, because your business is to protect your children. But then he says, when you get into their business is when you think thoughts like they should know better. They shouldn't do that. When we kind of like think of the story of what's happening. And in this example, he's like, well, the child is running in the street because he sees a dog on the other side. And so, of course, it makes sense that he would want to run and see this dog. He's just not aware of traffic. So we're going to be in our business. And instead of saying he should know better, we just remind him, don't run into the street. That's our business to remind our children if they need to know something. But when we get into they should know this, that's when we're almost in their heads, like they, if that makes sense. Okay. And the other thing he mentioned was a lot of times we get into other people's business, like mentally, we say things like, oh my gosh, they shouldn't lie. They shouldn't do this. When we don't want to have an uncomfortable conversation and we just want them to change so we can somehow feel better. If that makes sense. He shared the example. Let's say someone is lying and I say they shouldn't lie. And in reality, they are lying. So maybe I need to just tell them I don't appreciate your lying to me. When you do that, I'm not going to trust you. And maybe that would be an uncomfortable situation. But my part of that business is telling them if that makes sense. So when we go back to the idea like, what you think of me is none of my business. That's kind of what it means. Like my business is my thoughts and my actions. And I can't control your thoughts and your actions. So it's really not my business. Not in like, that's none of your business. Like in a, in a literal, like there's there's nothing you can do about what someone says or thinks about you. Okay, so what was interesting is literally I had just recorded this podcast or I think it was the next day and a friend of mine had an issue with her neighbor and she was asking for advice. So it's not like I was just offering the advice. So she was asking what to do and she had felt offended by this neighbor and wasn't sure how to proceed. So she was asking for advice and, you know, I had been, hey, 
it's not really any of your business what she thinks about you. You don't know what's going on. And so, yeah. And that was kind of my initial thoughts. But it sounded kind of harsh. Like, I mean, there's nothing you can do about what she thinks, which is really true. Okay. But then another friend shared this thought, which I thought was so awesome. And like this, because she was like, I really want to act in a more Christ-like way towards my neighbor. And so this one friend shared, she's like, right now during the pandemic, everybody's tolerance of something happening, the ceiling of tolerance has lowered significantly. So something that used to bother somebody, they could take it to way higher threshold before and now the threshold is lower. And so she's saying, so whatever happened, normally I guess maybe that wouldn't bother her, but just because of all the things that are happening and we're not as able, able to go as, and kind of do the things we're normally wanting to do, that threshold is lower. So you never know what's going on with your neighbor. And then she mentioned, because it's so hard when you're being confronted by somebody and they're kind of accusing you of some things, it's hard not to just take offense and be like, and get all defensive, right? That's really hard, especially in that space. And she said, wouldn't it be great if while someone was doing that, we could then just say, I wonder what's going on with them right now that is, this is making it so hard. That we could like care about them and not be offended about what they're saying. And so she mentioned that and I was like, oh, that sounds just so good because in some ways, yes, what I said was true because you really can't change what she thinks, but you can care about her. And so their plan was to, you know, pray for their neighbor and they were going to come up like ways to just care about her, not to necessarily change her mind but to just genuinely care about what's going on with her. And the other thing I had also, I listened to a coaching call that week and um, there was someone who was struggling and they kind of like had something offensive talked to or said to them, kind of similar situation they were having problems with their neighbor, a neighbor, and they were offended by what their neighbor was doing. And one thing that, and it was actually Jody Moore who was talking and she was like, well, how is what you're thinking like that they're doing or you're being offended by it? How much truth is there in that? And just being willing to kind of sit with the truth of whatever's being said and just being humble about it. I mean, like, okay, I see that. I'm not perfect. And maybe you choose to change. Maybe you don't, but you can kind of see it. And also you do the like, okay, we all have our strengths and weaknesses. We're all 50-50. So it just sounded more caring. Like you're not just kind of accusing your neighbor because I think of it like when my kids get really mad that let's say their brother yells at them or says something mean and then they hit them back 
And then I'm just like, well, aren't you both doing something that's wrong, even though you were offended first and then you hit him? Like both of those things are wrong. And so we can't really solve a wrong with a wrong. So just this idea that we can care about somebody and choose to solve a problem and maybe be humble about something they are saying. Like I can take it in and decide if I want to do something about it. But I also can be compassionate towards myself and towards them as you go about doing this. I mean, this can be hard in families too when you don't get along. And it's um, I've seen that in my family, how we have some siblings who are passionate about a certain topic or about a certain thing. And some of us who aren't passionate about that same thing. And they just like to talk about it. So I've tended being like, I'm willing to listen to my siblings. And I've tried to just stay really open, um, even though sometimes I may or may not agree with them. And sometimes it can be hard. And we were just talking about this idea of division and how that looks. And does division start with a topic or does it start with an action? Like, can we not talk about a topic that maybe we don't agree with? And so then I kept on thinking about really what is my business and how do I want to respond? And when I thought about, oh, when I am I avoiding a hard conversation or am I in their business because I want them to change so I don't have to do or think in this uncomfortable way. Now, I don't know if that all makes sense. Oh, and one last thing <laughs> as I was thinking about, yeah, I'm doing pretty good about, you know, not worrying about what other people think. And then I had this thought <laughs> of like, when was the last time you went to the dentist? And why not? <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm worried about what my dentist will think because I probably haven't been to the dentist in a while. So then I don't keep going. So I think that's really interesting that sometimes even when we're worried about what people think, it prevents us from doing things that maybe would be helpful. Like even when you when you think you should call someone and it's been a while and so you're feeling like, oh, I'm worried about what they're going to think. But if you don't, then you just call them and you show that you care for them instead of not calling them because you're worried about what they're going to think. Because when you're worried about what they're going to think, you're in their business. And when I'm worried about what the dentist or doctor is going to think, I'm also preventing myself from going there <laughs> if I am worried about that. So I just thought that was an interesting little thought I had. <laughs> so I will report next week if I have made my dentist appointment instead of being worried about what they think. <laughs> okay, you guys, I hope this series, the self-love series has been helpful. Um, I think it is an interesting that the paradox of caring and not caring 
or thinking less about yourself and more about others can help you with the comparisons or can help you with kind of being okay with what your values are. And I just love that scripture. That second part of that scripture is that sometimes weak things can really make us strong if we rely on Christ. And that ultimately, as we learn to love and accept ourselves through our thoughts and actions, when we strive to keep our commitments and accomplish some goals that we want to be doing, when we stop our comparisons, when we are recognizing our weaknesses, and when we worry more about what, how, and what we can do to change and not what other people can do, that we tend to start seeing other people more graciously. And I think it helps us as we are developing this love and commitment to ourselves. It kind of grows and we are able to show it to our friends and family even more as well. So keep going and thank you guys again, seriously, for listening each week. I'm just grateful that I have this platform right now as I strive to learn more and I share it with all of you. So remember, the worth of your soul really is great. And I want you to have a great week. All right. See you guys. Bye. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you have any questions, come by findingthefloor.com where I will have show notes and links for anything I've mentioned today. Special thanks to Seth Johnson for creating and performing the theme music. Come back next week and thanks for listening.